Hey, welcome to the Relentless Positivity Podcast. I'm your host, Joe Martin. Hey, I got another one, of my, another one of my friends on here today, so I'm really excited about this. Someone I actually know is, is much more powerful, I think. So my guest today, he's a founder and lead coach at Momentum First Coaching and Consulting. Hey, he's passionate about helping others achieve their best without neglecting the important things in life. That's what really separates him. Hey, he served 21 years in the Army. He was a decorated combat tested helicopter pilot, deployed several times, Iraq, Afghanistan. He even survived a helicopter crash. Hey, please welcome my friend, Stephen Conway. Joe, thank you. Thank you, brother, for having me here, man. I really appreciate it. I'm excited to sit and chat with you, man. It's been a while. It has. Yeah, it's going to be good catching up, man. I I haven't talked to anybody else that survived a helicopter crash. So, man, you're the first on that. <laughs> All right, well, we, we can talk a little bit about that, man. It, it, oh, it was yeah. quite the adventure, quite the adventure. I'm bet, here to tell that's, that's for sure one of my questions right there. But I want to take it back. So uh, where where'd you grow up? Man, I'm 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 a, a, a good old country boy from Fayetteville, North Carolina, man, which is much like here in Alabama. Um, father was a uh, military also, so though I grew up initially in North Carolina, I actually graduated high school in Panama, not Panama City Beach, Florida. I'm talking about the real Panama, oh, Central real. America. Okay. Yeah, so uh, graduated high school there and came on back to North Carolina and. The adventure began. Okay, man. What, what kind of kid were you growing up? What were you into? I know you're moving around a little bit. So, uh, yeah, your dad, is he infantry? Is that what your dad was? Well, he was, he was, um, I don't know what he did. He was logistics the last couple of years. By the time I knew him, he was a sergeant major. So okay. I, I, I guess their job is tell other soldiers what to do. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> I, I, I wasn't into it then. But it, it was uh, he was a logistician. Uh, he did start out as uh, infantry for many years. He was three-time Vietnam uh, vet. Wow. So uh, uh, it goes back in my family. But as a kid, Joe, man, I was, my wife, I'll tell you about my wife, because I've known her since um, I was 14 and she was 12, wow. but uh, yeah, as a kid, man, I was just an easygoing guy, I can tell you, much like I am now, I was the guy that people would come to and talk to and things like that, so a reflection of who I am now Kind of as a kid. And here's the deal. I was a boy. I got into stuff, man. Oh, yeah. yeah <laughs> I, got, I got into stuff, man. I, I, I definitely got into stuff, but not not in a uh, uh, malicious way, just in that like uh, a kid way. Was in the Boy Scouts and things like that. And uh, one of the things that I knew, and I'm going to hit it before you even hit it. One of the things I knew, well, two of the things I knew. As a kid, I knew I was going to fly something. You know, I was a, a kid watching the uh, old movie Iron Eagle back okay. in the day and <laughs> yeah, all the yeah. airplanes movie. And I think it was a movie called Howard the Duck where they had uh, <laughs> little gliders. All Man, that's you a throwback that. right there. Yeah, yeah, yeah that's a throwback. <laughs> um, so I knew I was going to fly something. And I knew that I was going to speak to people, use my voice to speak to people in some way. I didn't know how it was going to manifest. Uh, people used to say, "Oh yeah, Steve, you're you're gonna be the preacher," and I'm like, "I'm I'm probably not that guy. <laughs> <laughs> you probably need to talk to somebody else about that one." But I knew those two things, but just didn't know how they were gonna manifest. And uh, 
It was awesome growing up, man. man. Yeah, if I had yeah. your pipes, man, I, I definitely be. I got to speak to people about something, man. I'm gonna use these <laughs> as much as possible. Right on, brother. I appreciate that. I appreciate so you, you, that. You decided to join the army. Was your dad for it, against it? What was his thoughts on that? Well, here's the deal, man. Is he didn't know till after I'd already went to the. It's too late now. <laughs> <laughs> he didn't know, and 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 uh, the the key is I'd started. Um, college at, at North Carolina Central uh, in Durham, North Carolina. And I went a semester and I started looking at the money and things like that. And I said, well, maybe I should join the military as a uh, reservist or National Guard, you know, so I can do it part time to help pay for college. And by the time the recruiter got done with me, it was 21 years later. <laughs> <laughs> But I I, I, I I love every minute of it. So I started school, decided to join the Army. And, and when I finally told my father, my mom was livid. Oh. She was livid. Um, she lived through my dad going to Vietnam oh, and man, yeah. just different things like that. So she was upset. And my dad, he told me this. He said, Joe, they, they, my nickname is Smokey Joe. Okay. <laughs> <laughs> That's what they used to call no, me. We get along, up. man. I get it. Absolutely. Smokey <laughs> Joe, he said, uh, Joe, I don't care what job you do, but do not come home without those airborne wings. Okay. Uh, my dad, 82nd Airborne Paratrooper Jump Master. That's serious business. Yes, if sir. I came home without them airborne wings, <laughs> I told the recruiter, I said, hey, I don't care what job I get but I need to go to jump school and come home with some airborne wings. So I ended up starting out as an airborne artilleryman with the 82nd Airborne. So I started out as a ground pounder. Loved it. That's that's some real soldiering going man, on yeah. there. <laughs> yeah, Lee, man. Yeah, you start off hard. I mean, you come from good stock, though, man. Your dad's Sergeant Major three times in Vietnam. Right, that's hardcore right there. Oh, yeah. I was shining boots as a young kid. <laughs> so uh, they weren't mine. So, yeah, absolutely, man. So you go to jump so school, that, but how, how do you get to the process? Hey, you had this dream. I'm going to fly. Yeah, when does that man. come in? Well, what happened, man, I started my first uh, four years as an artilleryman. Loved it. I learned a true soldiering. At my first opportunity to enlist or either get out and go to school, I decided to re-enlist, and I actually re-enlisted as an aviation mechanic. So I became a Chinook CH-47 uh, crew chief and flight engineer. I did that for three years, and during the time, man, I'm sitting in the back of the aircraft doing my flight engineer uh, duties, crew chief duties, and I'm looking up front, and I'm thinking... If these dudes can fly this <laughs> helicopter, <laughs> I know I can do that. So then the dream came uh, back around because initially I thought it was going to be airplanes. And so I put in for the warrant officer uh, candidate school, flight school program, got accepted. And the cool thing about it is uh, because I ranked uh, uh, in the top of the class, I got to choose my aircraft. So I chose the aircraft to start my training on and fly that I was actually a flight engineer and crew okay. member on. So um, some of the crew members I used to crew with, uh, they like trader, you're in the <laughs> front now, you, you're a pilot now. So, you, you know, so we had that thing going back and forth. So the uh, seven years, uh, almost seven years enlisted. And then I transitioned to uh, 
actually six years enlisted, and then I transitioned to warrant officer, went through flight school, and 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 the adventure really began after that. So I spent the majority of my career as a uh, helicopter pilot, logistician, uh, maintenance test pilot, meaning I flew the helicopters that other pilots didn't fly because they were broke. Um, that's a rare breed. Oh, <laughs> Instructor pilot. Uh, trainer logistician so uh yeah man love it all oh yeah man oh so yeah. man i gotta ask this so this uh this one that crashed did it have is it one of them test ones you were working on what, what take me to nah. the, the crash on this one and this one this was actually the second and and we'll refer to it as a hard landing <laughs> <laughs> because we were able to walk away from it. Okay. So the one particular man, it was actually my second uh, tour in Afghanistan. And I think end of 2002. And we were coming back from a mission out in the mountains of Afghanistan, uh, had a crew uh, from uh, 10th Mountain Division, a platoon of infantrymen on the back. So we're coming back from the mission probably about 10 nautical miles out from our home base. And to to get to our home base, you had to fly through the mountains and then it dropped down into a valley. Oof. So as we were coming over the mountains, um, we started taking fire and they knocked out our number two engine, which is on the right side. It actually caught on fire. It didn't knock it out. So the emergency procedure is to shut it down. So we're cresting this uh, uh, ridge and the valley, it drops down about 2,000 feet into the valley, so straight down. So as we're cresting, number two engine gets knocked out. We shut it down so it doesn't catch on fire. And it just so happens that the engine control unit had a malfunction. So when I shut down the number two engine, not only did the number two engine shut down, it also shut down the number one engine. So we are 2,300 feet up in the air, valley down below, no engine, silent. Platoon of uh, America's finest in the back, plus my crew, and we are auto-rotating, no engine power, falling like a sack of bricks. Man. <laughs> so, what, what's, uh, what's running through your head at that? What, what are you thinking right then? Uh, um, initially, it was something that I probably shouldn't say on here. <laughs> yeah, that'd be my reaction too. <laughs> And then here's the funny thing about it, bro. As we're going through the emergency procedures, at one point, and Lieutenant Joe Mendel was my right seater. He was my co-pilot. And at one point, everything went silent, and, and there was a sense of peace, man. I, I, I would refer to it as, as being in the zone and in that flow. So in the moment, there was no fear. Uh, ECL to stop, thrust adjust, airspeed 70 knots were falling. Crew chief is calling. And there was just a moment of peace, man, as, as we were falling. Now, we were in a flight of seven aircraft, so I'm hearing the radio uh, going in. I made the call. Uh, Gravedigger 3-5 is going in. Uh, so I made the call. That was my call sign, Gravedigger uh, uh, 3-5. Made the call. We're going in. And uh, here's the funny thing about being in the desert of Afghanistan is the powder or the, the sand is like talcum powder. So we're falling. Crew chief is calling us down. And at about 1,000 feet, 
the downwash started kicking up. So we're about 900 uh, feet in the air. I can't see anything. We're browned out. On the controls, Joe Mendel on the controls, calling altitude. The flight engineer out the right door said, I got us, Chief, because he's the only one that could see anything. So he's calling us in, and we're falling 2,000 feet per second, just out the ground, holding it steady, 70 speed in the feet, uh, uh, 70 knots, and in that auto-rotational profile, and he's calling it. Got y'all for 100, Chief. I got y'all 50, Chief. I got y'all 75. And then all of a sudden, he's like, pull up, pull up, pull up. I got no power to pull up. I just got enough uh, uh, inertia to soften the blow or to soften the fall once we get closer to the ground. So I pulled the guts out of everything. <laughs> <laughs> uh, I didn't know why, but um, pulled the guts. So we popped up and boom, uh, on the ground. And I will tell you, bro, uh, if, and this is what the maintenance test pilot at the time, I went to maintenance test pilot, but boom, we got on the ground, getting everybody out. Didn't know if we were on fire. Um, oh, I'm still living. <laughs> right. And, and, and when, when, when everything cleared, the reason he told us to pull up at that last second, it was because there was a washout, uh, probably, 15 feet wide, you know, you got washouts in the desert, probably about eight feet deep. And he told us to pull up because we were heading right towards oh, wow. one of them. So when I pulled up and plopped on the ground, bro, I tell you like this, there was one probably about 10 feet in front of the aircraft to wash out and probably about five to eight feet behind the aircraft. That was So we landed right between two of them. So 10, 15 feet either way, it'll be game over, bro. Man. For myself, my crew, uh, 31 of those infantry soldiers is just they, they we all trying to get back to get cleaned up and get some child. So I tell you, man, I was on the controls, but like I say in Professor this day, I didn't put that aircraft in that spot. I didn't put that there. So what ended up happening as we, and that's when I smoked, bro. So when we got out of the aircraft, I probably smoked about two stacks of cigarettes. Yeah, and 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 probably about three minutes flat, right? <laughs> <laughs> so that's when the fear started kicking in and the oh crap. But uh, once we started recovering and we came back and and started looking at the aircraft, and we just stayed up in the air uh, 20, 30 seconds longer, the blades would have shook themselves apart because they already had started delaminating and tearing themselves apart. So, I mean, you're talking time and you're talking placement, just everything there, man. So, um, when your time, I, man, you, yeah, you meant to do something else. Not. Yeah, and the funny right. thing about it is if, if it hadn't been up to me, I probably wouldn't have flown again after that. Uh, but once we got recovered, two things. <laughs> My commander uh, put me on the flight schedule two days later to go out with the maintenance test pilot and recover. <laughs> wow, man. <laughs> but we took a maintenance crew, new blades. 
um, did maintenance out there. We had the security force who had to set that up and the blades weren't tracking balance. So that was the most garbage ride ever. <laughs> <laughs> but we just threw, took off the old blades, put new ones on, got in there, cranked it up single engine because we still had one engine. The other one hadn't been replaced. Flew it back to base. And I'm like, I'm seriously flying the airplane that I banged into the ground and almost <laughs> <laughs> so bro that that solidified it man keep that train moving man yeah. if you get scared about something if something scares the just bejesus out of you if you're still here get up and go even if you're scared man so that's that's probably one of the most valuable lessons um of many that I learned, man. But uh, if they hadn't made me get back in that, in the saddle, I, I probably would have quit. Uh, no doubt, man. The more you think about it, the, more, <laughs> the less you want to get in that thing. Right. So, yeah. 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 And I, I can laugh about it now, man, but um, that was uh, one of the incidents. And, and, and just think, man, I got many friends that didn't make, and I can call their names now, man. Uh, because of brownout weather, because of maintenance, because of getting shot out the sky by missiles, man. And, bruh, I'm still here. So still here. I'm not only living for me, I'm living for the ones that's not here also. Man. Yeah, you got another shot to do something. And you, I know is. you've been doing a lot of it, so we'll get oh, into some yeah, of that. Man. But uh, right you, don't, you don't talk about this part much, but tell me about your uh, your boxing career in the Army. <laughs> I got that deep information. You know that. <laughs> yeah, man. So um I, I was an amateur boxer man and um it was mostly during the enlisted time man so we used to go unit to unit all american boxing uh it was really equated to the amateur boxing circuit man so that was one of my things man and it wasn't because i liked fighting it's because i liked the tactical and the the artistic uh piece of it man so um i started boxing man pretty much as soon as i got to my first unit which was fort bragg i was a paratrooper and uh did pretty well uh won several titles and got knocked out <laughs> <laughs> it happens you get that ring, yeah, it? yeah. Oh, absolutely but um uh, i loved it man and one thing here's what happened once i got to flight school and I attempted because I also played rugby uh, also uh, with the army team and, and different army teams and things like that. But here's the deal. The army, they don't like their aviators getting knocked out and <laughs> having concussions. You know, the flight docs don't take kindly to that, man. So once I really got uh, out of flight school, that piece in, but I loved every minute of it. So I actually started doing power lifting uh, uh, after that, but only to a certain degree because you can't get so big and do certain things. But yeah, man, that's cool. You brought that up. Yeah, man, that, that was funny, man. That, well, that was, you definitely win. Uh, my dad's tougher than your dad award. You know, my, my dad survived a plane crash box in the army. That's tough to beat right there. <laughs> it ain't a competition, crash. man. It ain't <laughs> a competition. And I, I would tell you, um, I would hope nobody else would have to. Well, I hope anybody that's in one survives, yeah. but I, I wouldn't necessarily put that experience on anybody. It's unique, man. Uh, and I even tell my kids, they compare themselves. Uh, like many people do compare to others. They're like, well, dad, I guess I shouldn't be 
so upset or whatever in the case because you did this and that. I said, hey, this is my experience that's unique to me. And whatever your experiences is, experiences are, they're unique to you and they're just as valid mm-hmm. as as mine to, to bring some levity to that. Because I think we can get caught in that comparison piece uh, real easy, man, especially with all the different things we see out in society. I don't have enough money or I should be driving this or I should do this or look like this. So just, man, each of our experiences are unique and valuable. Just as much as anybody else's, yeah. man. Yeah. Keep your eyes on your own paper, man. That's the only one you can take the test <laughs> on, right? Keep your eyes on your own paper. Right on, right on, man. Right on. So, and you'll uh, see you serve you serve twenty one years. You mentioned one of the lessons. Hey, just if you're scared, get back in there. What's what's some more of the top lessons you took away from your military service? Well, one of the biggest things, man, is that that I'm really learning is it's about people, man. Um the value of other human beings, man. Uh knowing that hey we're all different we all have different experiences but we also have the capacity to grow and to 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 shift and change and to become much better versions of ourselves than we could ever 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 imagine um so just having that high value in, in other human beings even if i don't like them personally yeah, that's a tough one. <laughs> that, doesn't, that doesn't mean they don't have value. We just don't click, and that's okay. But that's one of the things is to truly have value in others and contribution, man. Um, the mission only goes forward with contribution. Uh, the Army's old motto uh, is mission first, people always. We don't neglect the mission. (laughs) The mission is going to happen. But then within that, people, they always matter. So even my uh, motto of of my my business is momentum first, people always. That's tough to beat right there. Right on. Right on. Uh, And just many, many throughout, man. Honoring people. um, Getting past yourself because... (laughs) The limitation of what we know in any given moment pales in comparison to what we could learn moving forward past that point. Whatever that point happens to be. Um, just so many, man, uh, that come up all the time. Bro. Oh, I bet. I bet. Here's yeah. a good one. Um, if you see your right hook coming, you probably should duck. <laughs> <laughs> I've never served in the uh, military, but I think I, I could have figured that one out. <laughs> right on. <laughs> yeah, that's good. And then if you see it, sometimes too late, right? Yeah, that's the truth. That's the truth. It's like, oh man, here it comes. This ain't gonna be too good, but I can recover. <laughs> yeah, jump back in there. Right so, on. Uh, you decide to leave the army. Did you have a, a clear path? Were you all right? I'm gonna retire and figure it out, or you did you have a clear path? And if you did, how'd you develop that? Well, here's the thing, man. Is is it was at the 22 mark, man, 22 year mark, and and I was at a. Uh, a crossroads because I passed the 20. Um, I could have, as a warrant officer, I could have stayed for like 30, 35 years, man. Um, but one thing that, that had really made that transition for me, and I'll, I'll tell you really quickly, is that by the time I had done five deployments in Afghanistan, two deployments in Iraq, 
Um, and then I'd come off the flight line because I was a senior officer, senior leader doing the logistical thing, man. But I got to be honest with you, man. I was at a point to where um, we didn't talk about it before to where that post-traumatic stress disorder was really taking a toll. Um, not that everybody knew it, but I can tell you honestly, I truly felt that, I don't know if you remember the old fire extinguishers that used to be in the glass case. Mm-hmm that said breaking case of emergency. I come to the point to where I just wanted to be in a glass case that said breaking case of war because I spent much more time in the desert than I did at home with my family. Um, thankful for my wife. She raised two awesome kids. Um, but 2013, man, for me, it really came to a head and I, I was drinking uh, so I didn't have to dream to keep away the nightmares. And I came to the point where I went to the dock for help, uh, flight dock for help. I was still in uniform. So I'm this badass, highly decorated soldier. The suffering inside. Too afraid to ask for help, but also too afraid to not. So it came to the point to where I actually self-admitted myself into a behavioral health facility to get help. Um, I stayed there for three months and the hardest thing to do was to make that decision to just simply ask for help, uh, thinking I'd never fly again. My reputation would be ruined and, uh, I would be shunned. So that was a true turning point. And when I got done with that, it was continuous healing and growth and professional development. So truly, I think it accelerated my growth in my expansion. So I knew it was time for me to go and move forward to do something else. So um, about two years later, I retired. Uh, I was stationed in Fort Rucker. We moved up to Huntsville. Why Huntsville? Because I've been up here a couple of times. My wife had never been up here, but we drove up here one time and she's like, hmm, this place reminds me of home but it's not home. So <laughs> let's move here. And the kids are going to go here. Um, and as I transitioned out, my idea initially was, okay, I'll go uh, do what all army aviators do and fade away at Fort uh, on the arsenal working for, but I always had within me that speaking, uh, that leadership development, that business development. So I took a shot and moved up here and, struck out on my own to learn about business, to uh, expand my speaking and create a leadership development uh, organ and organizational development uh, company. So I started out learning business in insurance, if, if you remember, mm-hmm. and underneath the whole time was building that leadership development, that speaking, that coaching and getting all that acumen. So it came to a point to where I was able to get rid of the insurance and learned business through that sales and things through that and really started delving in more in the leadership and coaching, professional coaching side. So I got my professional coaching certification. I train professional coaches for their certification now. So I do training and work with organizations and within my business private organization. So this is a, a transition over the past several years. Yeah. Well, man, well, good on you for getting help. I mean, that started this whole cat is a catalyst for this whole thing is you having the strength and courage to get that help that so many don't. I know you got, yeah. do you know guys that didn't? 
and it cost them their lives, you know, yeah. and, and just, I know plenty too. So yeah, still so to it all this started. day, bro. Yeah. So if you're listening right now and, and maybe you're in that spot that Steve was in, that, don't, don't be afraid to get that help. Yeah, you can yeah. see where it's taking this guy right here. So he's a he's a high achiever these days. As he always <laughs> he always has been always. But so part of part of that, uh, what are you learning right now? I know you're always studying and learning different things. What what's, what are you yeah. looking at right now? Oh man, um, well uh, a couple of things that are of my interest. When I'm I'm a believer in being the the consummate professional, uh, excelling in whatever it is I choose to do. So. Um, a couple of things I'm working on and learning right now. I'm always working on the mindset, learning, um, <clears throat> actual psychology. Um, but really, to be honest, right now I'm working on organization. Um, not only organization in my physical space and learning about organization and how the physical space affects the mental space and things like that. Um, I'm actually putting it into practice. So working on that, uh, really taking my speaking craft and coaching craft to the next level. So I'm always in something that's about uh, honing in your speaking skills, honing in your coaching skills to the next level, uh, professional coaching skills to the next level. Um, and I even carry a, a rhyming word dictionary around with me, just like, oh, that's where I didn't know that word. Oh, I didn't know that word. Rhymes. So um, those are the biggest things. It's always about, for me, honing my craft, because there's so much you can learn out in the world, man. And we can get lost in all the learning. So I really focus my education and the speaking, coaching business development, business organization, and organizational development, different methodologies. Uh, and I'm uh, taking college courses, too. <laughs> man, I don't, I don't, I don't think courses if you too. paid for it, I would go right now. I'm just being honest, man. I just... I'm with you, man. I'm with you. And and, and that's been some thoughts. <laughs> but just, I mean, it, it's not necessarily for the degree, the degree itself. But for those pockets of knowledge, man, yeah. just those pockets of knowledge that I may not necessarily have uh, access to. Yeah, that's it. And they're out there if you're looking for them. But something you're you're really good at, and you work specific with business owners and leaders and that type of deal. Yeah. Mm -hmm. But I think anyone could benefit from how you help people get unstuck. So we'll just kind of yeah, go through man. that. That's, that's something that you're really good at. I want people to learn from that. Absolutely, man. Um, just just so I'm clear, I mean, what what, what angle would you like for me to uh, kind of talk about it? Let's say there's just something, there's a, an issue. It could be my health. It could be something yeah. at work that I just feel like helpless and I don't know where to go and I just feel stuck. So I'm not doing anything about it. Yeah. Well, one of the things, Joe, uh, is that you, you, you called it, man. Many times when we're stuck, when we're in these spaces, right, we can't see our blind spot. So it's difficult to pick out what it is that's actually keeping us stuck. So it's, it's that old saying we can't necessarily see, we can't see the forest because we are looking dead face staring at a tree. Yeah. <laughs> All right. Yeah. So people that are stuck, one of the things is, Again, what comes back around is is help from someone that can help you see your blind spots that have these couple of um, attributes. One, they're totally objective and non-judgmental in the space because however somebody uh, feels or whatever somebody is experiencing, 
um, is perfectly normal for who they are, their perceptions, their beliefs, their experiences that they've had up until that point. So when we're thinking about getting stuck, one of the biggest pieces is helping to bring conscious awareness around what's actually going on. And I'll give an example, Joe. Um, if somebody gets mad or has an emotional reaction to something, most times it's automatic, it's default, right? It's not like we're consciously choosing to get mad. I can tell you, um, if I leave the um, <laughs> the refrigerator open or leave the milk out on the, the counter, my wife is going to yell <laughs> the exact same thing in the exact same way that she did Every other hundred times that I did that, and I've tested this, Joe. I've tested. <laughs> Don't tell her, bro. Don't tell her. I hope she doesn't. <laughs> so, a lot of times we have these default reactions to certain things, and 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 by bringing conscious awareness around what's actually happening within us, what are we actually experiencing, and analyzing what the cause of what we are experiencing is. Now we can bring conscious awareness and bring ourselves to a space to where we can make conscious choices around how we proceed moving forward versus always circling back to oh, that yeah. default reaction. Man, there's so much power when you get back in control, right? Yes, back in man. control. Yeah. And, and a lot of times it takes an external uh, perspective uh, to do that uh, because... Yeah. <laughs> we're stuck in our own boxes. Yeah. And most of that's why we're see. stuck, right? Because yeah. we've just been doing the same thing over and over. We don't know yeah. why we do. We just keep doing it. That's just because yeah. that's how we do it. Yeah. It's like that self-fulfilling travesty, man. Oh, yeah. I'm stuck. I'm doing this again. I, I think I know why. I read a book about it, but I'm just going to default to what I normally do, even though I have a little bit more knowledge. Yeah. So to really break that cycle, one of the things is who are we being? All right, versus who do we want to be? Because who we are being determines what we do and how we do it. So breaking that cycle of who we are, who we believe we are, whether it's who we've been told we are, what we've told ourselves is, is really the key to, to, to breaking that cycle. I don't, I don't know if that, that kind of, talks a little bit about your question. That's really, truly, regardless of who I work with, whether it's organizations, business owners, that's the work, the initial base work that we actually do in any circumstances. So you are on the money, bro, because guess what? If I want to change my organization, but I have inner blocks that's keeping me from making substantial changes. I got to address the inner blocks that's holding me back or the fears, the doubts, the beliefs, whatever it is, before I can put any new changes into place or any new structures in place. So uh, I'm, a, I'm, a, I'm a, a, a professional coach that works from the inside out to create long lasting, sustainable changes. Well, that's it. Long lasting. If you if you change the stuff on the outside, you'll get some results for a little while, but it's going to eventually come back to those old habits. You know? Yeah, man. T.D. Jakes, he talks about when when we don't know what to do, we fall back into familiar patterns, right? That's, so that's, it. that's exactly. If you don't change the inside, it's going to yeah. come right back. So yeah. I know someone's hit out there, maybe this is an organization or they're just a business owner and they want, hey, this dude's non-judgmental. He's got a calming voice, good pipes. 
the tough guy. If I need that, he's got my back. If I get in a fight, how, how could they get in touch with you and, and work with you if they want to work with you? Well, man, um, one of the things, man, for one is is I love uh, email directly, Stephen. That Stephen with a V. For some reason these days, I've met a lot of Stevens with PHs. Yeah, I'm a Stephen with Stephen a V. Or something. Stephen. Those, those yeah, we need Stephen. to switch that. Yeah. They're different. <laughs> so <laughs> Stephen, S-T-E-V-E-N at lstevenconway.com. Um, my website, you can also contact me through that, is Momentum, M-O-M-E-N-T-U-M, first, one S-T, MomentumFirstCoaching.com. And you can set up an appointment. And I'll even throw it out there, Joe. Um, I, I'll throw my number out there, man, um, because I love a text and, and contact is um, area code 254-423-1776. Just send me a text and um, we can we can set up a conversation. And here's the thing. Um, a lot of people I speak with, Joe, because um, I do a complimentary session first. Mm -hmm. It's to, for us to evaluate each other. And a lot of times that complimentary session is all people, a lot of people need to get over the hump to get moving. Yeah. And I'm cool with that. I'm good with that. Okay. If I can contribute in that way, Boom, that's money. Uh, if we decide to continue working together, that's a different conversation. But that's that's just the way I work, man. I figure we got a mission. Each of us has a, a mission. Absolutely. Yeah. Um, and I'm figuring out what mine is, but uh, I'm in the mission, bro. <laughs> if yeah. it's helping somebody just move a step forward regardless of where they are uh, i'm all about that that's bro. it sometimes you like I said they just need you to walk with them that first step and then they can get to running but you know yeah. so i hey call them right there. i'm gonna link all that information to show notes in case you're like me you don't spell real well and you don't hear very well <laughs> i'll link that and they can click on it and uh yeah just just take them up on it just see if he can help you or if nothing else just meet this dude man he's just a good guy i'm, I I'm love so conversations man. yeah I, I, I love meeting people man right. and that's the thing man um that's part of my mission we're in this place um just connect with people man people yeah. are what makes it go round. that's bro. what it's all about yeah well, right well steven thank you for coming on thank you for your service and and thank you for being being brave enough to share your story about getting help there's so many people they do that and don't don't feel comfortable talking about it, which i understand but man there's so many people he's big strong tough dude if he got help you ain't tougher than him. You ain't a boxer in the army. <laughs> you can go get, get that help, you know, reach out. And if I'm sure Steven, he'd, he'd talk to you about that as well. So if you don't want to just have a conversation, reach out with him and please share this episode with somebody. Somebody needs to hear the story, Steven's story right here. I'm guaranteed they need to benefit from knowing the story right here. So please share that. And Steve, you keep up the awesome work, man. I love what you do out there. Appreciate you, bro. 988, just for those out there that don't know, 988. Uh, if you're feeling depressed, don't know where to go, dial 988. It's 911 for mental health uh, help, 988. Yeah. I know a lot of us need that in this Absolutely. world today. Absolutely. Hey, All keep right, up the great work, man. We're going to get this thing going. Hey, uh, share this episode, and we'll see you guys next week. Wow, what a great episode. You just share that with somebody. I'm going to share with you some awesome sponsors. 
McWilliams Marketing. They can help your business grow. Regardless of the size of the project, you're going to get a solution that is specifically created for you and your business. No cookie cutter, one size fits approach here. So Amy and her band of fearless marketers can help you with all that stuff that you think you can do, but you're not really that good at it. You don't have time for it. They can do that. They're the experts. It's what they do. Web design, online conversion optimization, SEO, uh, graphic design, marketing, page management, all that stuff. Go let them do that. Don't handle that yourself. Go check them out at mcwilliamsmarketing.com. See what all they can do. They're amazing people. Teak Patnick with Patnick Realty. He really does it all in the real estate world. General real estate sales, acquisitions, property management, investments, all that good stuff. You're not just a transaction with Teak. He really wants to build a relationship for life with you. He has built his whole business on prayer, hard work ethic, honesty, and results. You can trust Patnick Realty with all your real estate needs. Hey, I trust my brother from another mother, Teak, and you should too. Give him a call, 256-694-0117, or email him at teak at patnickco.com. Hey, these are awesome businesses. Go support them. They're out supporting positivity, and they will do you right. Have an awesome day.